0: Our reading is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, and beginning is verse 21. If you have a Bible in front of you, you may, you may to follow it. It's not on the screen. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed round him and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. told him the whole truth he said to her daughter your faith has healed you go in peace and be freed from your suffering while Jesus was still speaking some people came from the house of Jairus the synagogue leader your daughter is dead they said why bother the teacher anymore Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, "'Don't be afraid. Just believe.'" He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, "'Why all this commotion and wailing? "'The child is not dead.'" but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. And this is the word of God.
1: May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight, our Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Steve, shall I turn this off and leave it on the, this mic? Okay, I'm off now. Um, Steve said earlier, because it was at nine o'clock, he said I lost him five quid because I didn't mention the cricket. So I'm going to start with that, okay? You give me a license to have a go. You're going to regret that. I'm sorry, but it's Steve's fault, all right? This, this, um, these readings today, they're a bit about transformation, and part of it's about transforming a hopeless situation. Um, who would have believed, who would have believed that this English cricket team that was thrashed 16 months ago, whatever it was, 17 months ago in Australia, 5-0, cowed, afraid, dodging a bounce, a tail end out, and no problems in no time, could they play like that? Wonderful. Anybody here, come on, put your hand up if you're not interested in cricket, be honest. Right, I'm just talking to a few of us, that's all right, it doesn't bother me, don't worry, I'll carry on. <laughs> But that was amazing. That was amazing. Alistair Cook, he was a captain transformed. He was rubbish down in Australia. He was brilliant the last four days. Absolutely amazing. Ten years ago, when they had that series in 2005, do you remember the Australians came over the Flintoff? who's, Who's not heard of Andrew Flintoff? Don't you put your hand up. So you all heard of him. 2005... It was real hope. The Australians came over. We lost that first test match at Lords, And people have played rubbish. And they had a big gap between the next, between the first test and the second test. Andrew Flintoff went away on a holiday. He needed it. He needed to get his head clear. His head was all muddled. He was in a bad place. He went away. He spent time away. He got his head right about what he was about. He came back a man transformed. Andrew Strauss also was rubbish, couldn't play Shane Warne's leg breaks. Shane Warne, anybody here not heard of Shane Warne? Good, you're with me, that's good. Most of you, fill her in in the gap. He couldn't play the leg break. He, what he did was he went away and spent hours and hours against a bowling machine called Merlin in the nets. He did net practice hour after hour how to play leg spin bowling. Came back, scored a century. Go away, hopeless situation, came back transformed, we won the series. Right, this passage Jairus' daughter and the rich woman. They're Bible stories about fear and faith and the power of Jesus to take people from one to the other. And so I want you to try and think about getting inside the story. Imagine that we're in the crowd watching it all happen and maybe identify with one of the characters at the center of the drama. So you get the picture, Jairus, he's this well-established, secure, professional family man. He's very well positioned socially in Capernaum. Religiously, he's very well respected. He supervises the worship in the synagogue. And personally, he's content to see his family nurtured, his children grow up to adulthood. And as a synagogue president, perhaps he's a bit unsure about having Jesus of Nazareth around. Not an easy person to have in your village congregation. I expected some difficult people here. You tell me afterwards, Ursula, who they are. You know, always saying the difficult thing, but maybe now it's the spark from God Local experts in the law were quite upset by some of the things that Jesus was saying. There were murmurs around the place that if Herod got wind of a new Messiah movement, there would be trouble. Something he could do without. Keep an eye on this Jesus, Jairus is probably thinking. But keep him at a safe distance. Let others follow him. Best to remain neutral until, of course, disaster strikes. His daughter, 12 years old, and maybe in that culture on the cusp of about to being married at 12 or 13, she's seriously ill, very, very sick, likely to die. And he's distraught. He doesn't know what to do. She's dying before his very eyes. He can do nothing. And his hope is slipping away. And then a rumour comes back that the strange teacher is is back from his trip round the lake. And Jairus puts his pride in his pocket. He forgets his fear. I mean, why worry about political danger or religious controversy when your daughter's dying and you're desperate? And that's what he is. He rushes off to see Jesus, and and there he is at the, the lakeside on the shore, and his crowd's around him as usual. He has to push his way, elbow his way to get to him. And when he gets to Jesus, he throws himself down at his feet. And he's pleading. He's pleading to get his attention. People must have gasped to see such a respected figure behaving in this way. The president of the synagogue, no less, groveling in the crowd, alongside sinners and tax collectors and lepers. What is he doing there? It'll ruin his credibility. His status will be in tatters. Kneeling at the feet of an untrained, unlicensed, unauthorized spiritual leader. Certainly a topic for gossip next Sabbath. But Jairus, he's not forgetting, he's not caring, he's he's almost forgotten himself because he's so worried about his daughter. And he gasps out his request to Jesus, please come, she's dying. And so Jesus goes with him. And of course the crowd come along too because they go with him everywhere in tow. And just as we got that story, then Mark stops off that story, doesn't he? Breaks it. And we turn to the story of the older sick woman. And that sort of keeps us in suspense. We wait and find out what happens to Jairus' daughter. And I want you to think about, while this is going on, he's stopped because the the woman's touched him who wanted healing. Jairus must have been, you know, come on, Jesus, she's dying. What are you doing? Stop it. You can do this later. Come with me now. But Jesus stops, doesn't he? She's touched, this woman who's had internal bleeding, and he stopped. Jesus is on his way to a house where he expects He'll find a corpse. So just bear with me here. So thoughts of sorrow will mix with the threat of impurity. Because if you were in touch with a dead body, you'd be made impure. You couldn't then go in the temple or the synagogue. And then here on the other hand is a woman with a chronic internal bleeding and that too is another main cause of impurity in the religious laws of the day. Bodily discharges and those who had them you had to keep away from them. So Jairus asked Jesus to come to his house so his daughter could be rescued and saved. The woman says to herself, Well, if I only touch his clothes, I will be saved. Jesus says to the woman, your faith saved you. Jesus says to Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. You see, Mark, he wants these stories, these two stories to rub up against each other and create some sparks. The woman, she's perpetually Unclean. You imagine being totally on the outside always, 365 days of the year, excluded. A law which is upheld by the president of the synagogue, Jairus. And these two have been brought together. The one who's, ex- the, one who's the victim of the exclusion, the one who's caused it. The insider and the outsider together next to Jesus. And the woman, the excluded one, she explains her fear about making an open request for help and then being discovered as she received help. It's remarkable how Jesus knows that power has gone from him. And it's that funny exchange with the disciples, isn't there, that he's in this crowd... And he knows that's power. He, who touched me? Who touched me? How could he know with that crowd? It's about like being in a rugby scrum and saying, who touched me? And yet he knew. And I was saying in the earlier congregation, now this, this is an obvious sign of an eyewitness really. It's a very odd thing to, re, to remark upon that Jesus said, who touched me? And we remember that Mark's gospel Mark was Peter's secretary. He wrote down the accounts about Peter and others, but it's an eyewitness account here and reminds us of the intimate nature of contact between the person and Jesus that Mark hopes his readers and others will grasp for themselves. And we know that when life crowds in and pressures us and makes us feel almost we cannot go on, there is still room for us to creep up behind Jesus and touch him, to reach out and touch him. Please, Jesus, help me. I don't know how I'm going to go on here. Please heal me. And God hears our cry. Was it Jesus' power that rescued the woman or her own faith? It's an interesting one. But I think clearly it was Jesus' power, but he says, your faith has saved you. So it must be that our faith, though it's powerless, is the channel through which Jesus can work. So it isn't about having loads of faith. A little faith is enough. And maybe the thing is to have the faith to step out despite our fear despite almost having given up and yet we believe do not fear only believe he says to Jairus you've given up you've just heard your daughter's dead don't give up don't fear only believe So where are we in this story? And I want us to just think about the contrast between Jairus and the woman. It's just interesting. Think what you make of this. Jairus, he's the one in authority in the religious system. The woman, she's the victim of it. Jairus, he's the person of privilege in the culture. The woman... She is rejected by the culture. He is named. We know he's called Jairus. She's just a woman. She's anonymous. He is socially secure. She is excluded. He is male. He's the father. He's surrounded by his family. She's female, isolated, and got no support. He can just request attention. He's the president of the synagogue but she she's voiceless she has to grab attention for herself he comes to claim on behalf of another she has no one speaking up for her he asks jesus to touch the patient but she touches without asking The custom and the law tells Jairus that he has the right to approach. The custom and the law tells the woman, keep away. He searches for Jesus, and interestingly, Jesus searches for her. The thing to note, Jesus brings healing for both the insider and the outsider. But I think it's significant that he puts the outsider first. Jairus has to wait, hopping on one foot to the other, told then his daughter's dead, hopeless, (laughs) while Jesus has focused on the outsider, the excluded one. And I wondered if there's maybe something of a message for us here. A message to Israel, to the church, to put God's mission to the world first. God calls Israel to be a light, so lighten the Gentiles. We're blessed to be a blessing to others. And Israel forgot her vocation. She forgot that she was here to draw all people to God's love and goodness. She thought she was there to be blessed as a nation. And we as a church must not forget our calling. The church, the parish church, is here for those out there. We know that. The word parokia, that where we get parish comes from, means the outsiders, the non-citizens, those who do not yet belong. So our calling is to be the inside place for the outsiders. You know, I think your vision, Christchurch to be a community hub, is a noble vision. It's a big vision. It's a godly vision. It's about serving all people in this community, about helping everyone discover God's healing and wholeness of course when you have a vision like that you get opposition and not just human opposition though you get that too I know all the stuff about the planning permission and things but you know for this place to be a community hub what a great thing if people could come here make community learn grow and also discover God's love for them it's a wonderful vision but you're gonna get opposition and not just human but spiritual the evil one will get in to create mayhem and to prevent and I know that you as a church you've been shaken Um, this past year relationships have gone wrong people's faith may have been absolutely drained but I want to say to you you are still Christ's church you belong to him the vision is good and as we look out for God's healing outward to everyone for the nations we can also expect healing inside for ourselves for his people and that's to be our prayer and knowing our frailty knowing ourselves in need of God's forgiveness and healing in need of his power and direction, I urge you in humility to carry on stepping out in faith to be a blessing to the whole community here at Baston Hill. Do not fear, only believe. Amen.